Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you here as we try to get through this obviously challenging time for everybody. Hope everyone is staying safe, keeping their social distance uh, into consideration. Want to wish everybody celebrating Passover tonight a very happy holiday and, uh, Just hoping that everybody is getting through this all okay. We've got a lot to talk about today being the anniversary of the very first playoff game in Islanders history, and we'll look back at that during this date in Islanders history. We will also continue our look at the 1981-82 Islanders. They are, of course, the best single season in Islanders history, and we'll have the latest news from what the NHL and Commissioner Gary Bettman are saying about what might happen when play resumes. If you've got something on your mind, question, comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send us an email. The email address here is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss your topic of choice. Uh, you could also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars N Y R V S N Y I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes for about you know everything that's going on uh, regarding the New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five star rating on your podcatcher of choice and a review that helps other Islander fans find the podcast. And, hey, also feel free to spread the word and grow the Locked On Islanders family by just telling your friends and family and fellow Islander fans all about us. All right, let's start off with the latest news right now. Uh, In an interview yesterday on the NBC Sports Network, uh, Gary Bettman basically telling people that, He acknowledges it may not be possible to complete this year's regular season. Here's what he had to say. The best thing and the easiest thing would be if at some point we could complete the regular season and then go into the playoffs as we normally do. We understand that this may not be possible, and that's why we're considering every conceivable alternative to deal with whatever the eventuality is. Again, it doesn't even pay to speculate because nobody in any of the sports knows enough now 
to make those profound decisions. And, you know, one of the issues, obviously, and Bettman addressed this, we had seven teams on the bubble, as far as the playoffs are concerned, and they all think that they had, they would have a chance. We have to deal with the lottery and the order of selection in the draft. These are things that, obviously, the league has to determine whether, you know, what they're going to do regarding the playoffs if they are unable to continue the regular season and it remains to be seen what they are going to do. Bettman continues from an NHL standpoint, we are reviewing all of our options. We want to be ready to go as soon as we get a green light and the green light may not be crystal clear because there may still be some places in the United States and Canada where we can't play and other places where you can. We're looking at all options. Nothing's been ruled in and nothing's been ruled out. And it's largely going to be determined by how much time there is because we have next season to focus on as well and the health of the countries. So the NHL keeping all of its options open. I think that is all it can do. Uh, Florida Panthers goalie Sergei Bobrovsky also chiming in. Basically, uh, you know, his team was also in the hunt. They were three points out of the final wild card in the Eastern Conference when play was suspended. But, you know, they... Bobrovsky said, claiming it wouldn't be fair with 12 or 13 games left not to finish the season. From a sports standpoint, Bobrovsky says the season is 82 games and then the playoffs start. You can't just cut off right where we are and move right into the playoffs. So the Panthers have 13 games left. Seven of those were against teams who were not going to qualify for the playoffs if the season ended today. So they had a good chance. The Islanders you know, very much in in a similar situation. They are one one point out of a playoff berth. They've got a couple of games in hand on Columbus, one of the teams that is one point ahead of them. So, you know, Bobrovsky may not be a member of the Islanders, but he certainly has something relevant to say to Islanders fans and their supporters as far as, you know, how they should go about this because, when push comes to shove, the league has to figure out something that would be fair. And look, there is no way to make everybody happy. Uh, to me, it reminds me of the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, they have 64 teams and now they added those play-in games. And no matter how many teams they put in, the teams that are on the outside looking in, if they have 64 teams qualifying, the 65th, 66th, and 67th team is always going to complain. And if they expanded it to 72 teams, the 73rd team is going to complain. No matter how they do things, unless the NHL is able to complete a full 82-game season, or at least arrange things so that every team has played an equal number of games, there are going to be teams saying, hey, you know, this wasn't fair to us. We would have had a chance. And the thing about hockey, more than any other sport, is that, yes, they would have had a chance. Because, look, you look at the NHL. It is not unusual and it is not uncommon for eighth-seeded teams to 
win the first round and go on a, a, a tear, wild card teams in the NHL can and often do win the Stanley Cup. Last year in the first round of the playoffs, all four divisional winners were eliminated. So, you know, it's not like the NBA where the first seed is going to beat the eighth seed 999 times out of 1,000, maybe even more. There is a lot more parity in the NHL. There is a lot more evenness throughout the league so that your goalie gets hot, your team gets hot. You can beat a so-called superior team in a seven-game series a lot easier than in, you know, the NBA or the NFL or or other sports. I think more upsets take place in the NHL playoffs. So you take a team like the Florida Panthers or the New York Islanders, who are both just on the outside looking in with 12, 13 games to go. The argument is not only did they have a chance to make the playoffs if the season continued, they had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Islanders still could do it if they get hot. If if Sergei Bobrovsky gets hot, the Panthers could do it. If Simeon Varlamov or Tomas Grice get hot and the Islanders come together, they're capable of doing it. If they play the way they did during the 17-game point streak, for example. So lots of controversy coming and the league is just going to have to do the best they can. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about. We'll look back at the first playoff game in Islanders franchise history, plus our continued look at the best season in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to April 7th, 1975, Madison Square Garden, the first game, playoff game, in New York Islanders history, Islanders and Rangers. Now, you got to remember, 1975, this is the third season that the Islanders were in existence. In their first year, they set a then record for the fewest points in an NHL season, playing 78 games and winning 12. The second year, they Al Arbor is hired as coach. Their goals against average goes down by 100 but they still finish way out of the playoffs. Their third year in existence, the Islanders finish with a 34-25-22 record. That's 88 points in 80 games, and that means they face the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. Now, the Rangers are an experienced team. This was their ninth consecutive season making the playoffs, They are getting a little bit older at this point, while the Islanders are extremely young and extremely inexperienced. It was interesting. For the Rangers, there were only two players who had never been in a playoff game before. Well, three. Rookies, Ron Greshner, Rick Middleton, and John Bednarski. Only five Islander players on their roster had ever been in a playoff game. Ed Westfall, Burt Marshall, Jude Drouin, J.P. Parise, and Billy McMillan. And Jean Potvin uh, had this to say about how nervous his team was. I had a tough time sleeping the night before the game. I didn't know if I could eat my pregame meal. We got to the rink early, held a team meeting, and then held another one in the dressing room. So, you know, the Islanders, inexperienced and nervous, 
but ready to go at Madison Square Garden. This game was not going to be uh, an easy one for either team. The goalies, Glenn Chico Resch for the Islanders, Eddie Jockerman in goal for the Rangers, 17,500 fans at Madison Square Garden. Wally Harris is the referee. In the first period, no scoring, uh, although Gary Howitt of the Islanders and Ted Irvin of the Rangers did drop the gloves at 10.48 of the opening period. In the second period, things calmed down a little bit, although uh, Chico Resch and Rod Gilbert each took slashing penalties uh, late in the period. But the Rangers break out and score first. Brad Park, his first in the playoffs from Jean Rattel at 8-11, and it's 1-0 Rangers. Then, in the final minute of the second period, Pete Stemkowski, his first in the playoffs from Nick Beverly and Brad Park. Time of the goal, 19:25, and all of a sudden, it's 2-0. And most people at this point, you know, figured the Rangers, they've been through the playoff wars before, They've got the host home ice advantage. They have got this game in the bag, but the Islanders did not quit. And Al Arbor made an interesting move. He took Jean Potvin, who usually played defense, and moved him up onto a forward line with Billy McMillan and Lorne Henning and tried to take advantage of Potvin's speed, and it ended up paying off in a big way. Third period, first of all, the Rangers take a penalty. Defenseman Gilles Marat off. Gilles Marat off for high, uh, interference at 420. And 40 seconds later, Billy Harris scores the first goal in Islanders playoff history. His first of the playoffs from J.P. Parise and Jude Druan. You notice two of the players who have playoff experience setting up that goal. And then at 11.51, the move Al Arbor made strategically pays off. Jean Potvin uses his speed to gain the edge, beats Jockerman. It's a 2-2 two -to -two game. Jean Potvin's first of the playoffs from Billy McMillan and Burt Marshall. And we are all even. Less than two minutes later, the Islanders take the lead. Clark Gillies. Gets his first career playoff game, his first goal of the playoffs from Ed Westfall and Dave Lewis at 13:30, and the Islanders had completed a road comeback and took a 3-2 lead. Rangers had one last chance to tie it up. Ralph Stewart of the Islanders off for hooking at 16:55, but Chico Resch comes up big and manages to keep the Rangers at bay, and at the end of the game, it was the Islanders winning their first ever playoff game by a score of 3-2, to two, all three goals coming in the third period as they overcome a 2 to nothing deficit after 40 minutes to win on the road, and this game meant a lot for the confidence of the New York Islanders. Through the first 40 minutes, the Rangers were out shooting them 24 to 15, but the Islanders out shooting the Rangers 10 to 7 in that third period and scoring on three 
of those 10 shots. And all of a sudden, the confidence level of the New York Islanders went through the roof as a result of this win. Chico Resch after the game. Imagine coming into this building and playing your first playoff game and beating the Rangers. Fantastic. And yet Al Arbor, as always, keeping his eyes on the big picture. And this is one of the reasons why he was such a great coach. Here's what John Potvan remembered. After the game, Al Arbor allowed us to celebrate. He was happier than hell. But he said, when the press comes in, tone it down. Say they played a heck of a game. Give them credit. Don't let them use anything against us. It was a great win, but we've got a long way to go. So, this date in Islanders history, the first playoff game in Islanders history, and the first playoff win in Islanders history, Islanders 3, Rangers 2, April 8th, 1975. All right, we will step aside when we come back. We will continue our look at the greatest season in Islanders history, 1981-82. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Let's look back, uh, our continuing look at what was happening during the 1981-82 hockey season, the greatest season in Islanders history. And We're kind of going month by month right now, and we're up to December. And first of all, there was an article in Newsday very early on about the explosion of offenses in the National Hockey League, and the average number of goals per game was up to 7.98, so eight goals per game as of early December of that year. And Billy Smith had this to say, the Islanders... Hall of Fame goaltender, a 3.50 goals against average will be really good this year, the way the league is going. 20 goals used to be unbelievable for a forward. You were something. Now they get to 20 before January. It's ridiculous. Ken Morrow, obviously a a defensive defenseman, added, defense isn't being taught as much as it was years ago in juniors and the minors, It's not a team thing anymore like it used to be. And Dave Longevin, another defensive defenseman, added in this article, I wish I could come back as a goal scorer. On the ice, this was the most inconsistent month for the Islanders. They actually went 7-5-1 in the month of December. And that included an 0-3-1 a four-game winless streak, uh, ended the month on a two-game winless streak, but they also had a six-game winning streak in there. And so, you know, it, it sort of was inconsistent play over the course of this month. Early on, there was a Stanley Cup final rematch with the Minnesota North Stars, and the Islanders skated away with a 8-5 to win, an 8-5 win over Minnesota, two goals for Dwayne Sutter, two shorthanded goals for Butch Goring, and three assists for fourth-line center Billy Carroll in that game. And it looked like things were going well, but then the slump begins with a embarrassing 5-2 to loss to the Winnipeg Jets. 
Now, you got to remember, Winnipeg had won only nine games the year before, and they had never, in the history of the franchise, which joined the NHL in 1979 after four WHA teams were merged in, they had never beaten the Islanders in nine tries before this game. So, you know, all of a sudden, the Islanders losing some games you thought they would win on this Western Canada swing. They then go to Vancouver, lose 4-3, to three, even though Hector Marini finally coming back into the lineup after missing 16 games with a broken hand. So the Islanders really trying to find their rhythm. And there was an article, here's, you know, one of those things where when you look back at the day-to-day stuff that you forget about, there was an article in Newsday in mid-December of 1981 talking about how Dennis Potvin, the Islanders' captain, was unhappy because he had been benched during parts of the games in Boston and Vancouver. And here's Bobby Nystrom's take on it. Dennis has toughness, so he could take it. But I think Al has been more critical of the other guys. We're all men, right? And, you know, Dennis Potvin was got off to... A, a bit of a slow start in November and December of this year, and Al Arbor actually sat him down for parts of two games because he wasn't playing very well. And, yeah, uh, that that was just a, a difficult time for Dennis Potvin. Obviously, he bounced back. He responded and continued to play at a Hall of Fame level, but... This West Coast trip, this Western Canada trip, uh, a tough one. After the loss in Calgary, they head, uh, after the loss in Vancouver, they head to Calgary. And this is, you know, one of those games where, you know, they don't win, but they're happy with it. Down 3-0, end up with a 3-3 tie, and rookie Tomas Janssen ends up with the game-tying goal halfway through that third period. But that sort of starts to stem the tide. Now, after the tie in Calgary, they head to Edmonton, face Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky gets a goal and three assists. Islanders fall to the Oilers 4-3. to three. Trade rumors going around. How's this for a long-forgotten trade rumor? Uh, midway through December, Bill Torrey reportedly calling the Toronto Maple Leafs and inquiring about the availability of Daryl Sittler, the Hall of Fame center for the Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, Sittler wanted out. He wasn't feeling like he was being treated fairly by the Leafs. Ended up going to Philadelphia, but in the article, it basically said Bill Torrey would not give up any players from his current lineup in order to add Sittler. And that's probably why the Leafs accepted the Flyers' offer when push came to shove. Islanders got well uh, after that trip to Canada. They came home, faced the Quebec Nordique, and beat Quebec 10-7, five of those goals coming in the third period. Clark Gillies, a goal and three assists. Uh, Both Bossy and Dennis Potvin, two goals and one assist. And you sort of see that Dennis Potvin responding quickly and responding well to that benching. That's when the Islanders get on this tear. 
after the win over Quebec, a 4-1 win over Washington, a two-goal, one-assist performance by Brian Trottier, a 5-1 win at home against Detroit, two goals each for Bossy and John Tanelli. Then they go to Detroit and beat the Red Wings 5-3, Billy Carroll with the game-winning goal. So, again, the Islanders getting hot. They beat Winnipeg. They beat Philadelphia. Uh, finally, the streak ends late in the month with a 5-4 loss to Montreal. That ends the six-game winning streak and ends an 8-0-1 uh, streak at home for the Islanders at that time, by the way, and this was, what, December 29th, 1981, Wayne Gretzky gets his 50th goal in just 39 games, obliterating the standard of 50 goals in 50 games that uh, Mike Bossy had earlier accomplished, Maurice Richard had accomplished, and so on. The Islanders close off the month on December 30th and the year 1981 with a 6-4 to loss to the Rangers, despite two goals by Clark Gillies, two goals and two assists for Mike Bossy, Ron Duguay uh, had two goals and an assist, and uh, Don Maloney, a goal and two assists to pace the Rangers in that one. But again, the Islanders finished the month with a 7-5-1 record and have a 21-11-5 record overall heading into the break. That would put them three points behind their pace of the previous season. But remember... Uh, November was, I mean, December of that season was by far the month that the Islanders struggled in the most, and that is very much ironic. All right, I hope you enjoyed our look back at the 81-82 Islanders. We'll continue that tomorrow, and we'll try to line up some very nice guests to discuss that magical 81-82 third consecutive Stanley Cup season, the greatest season in Islanders history. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective on the world of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked On Islanders. Have a great one, and let's go Islanders.